0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Urban Robot Cat Podcast. I'm your host, Travis Likens. I'm
1: Chris RWK. And I'm Corey from Strange Cat Toys.
0: And we're here for episode 19.
1: No, no, you could say 20.
0: I think it's 19. I think it's 20. You're right.
1: Who could be right?
0: Who knows?
1: Oh, it's Chris.
0: <laughs> dot, dot, dot. I think it is Chris. Chris is correct.
2: Way better the second time around.
0: Absolutely.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no one, no one will know the difference
0: between the first time and the second time because it it was in the ether. But they don't
1: know about the first time, so just leave it as is.
0: Anyway, so we are here for episode twenty, and uh, first though we're gonna thank our sponsors. First up, we have Stickerfied, Stickerfied.com, where they made a wonderful sticker for us, and they want to do the same for you. Hit up Stickerfied.com. Also, No Love City, NoLoveCity.com, a streetwear. Brand doing it since 2007. They are also the home of the official Urban Robot Cat t shirt, where you can pick that up using the code Urban Robot Cat for 10% off your order. Also, SD Prints, sdscreenprinting.net, they uh, make some wonderful screen printing products, and they can do that for you, for your store, if you eventually ever get out and have a table at some sort of booth that is eventually going to happen at some point during this year, you could have that there, and it would be amazing, and they'll do a wonderful job for you, that is sdscreenprinting.net, also, TYO tyotoys, tyotoys.com, They do wonderful die-cast vehicles that you can put your own original artwork on, make a wonderful graffiti truck or van, and just sell that on your store or just put it in your collection or just have fun with it as a DIY platform. So that is tyotoys.com.
2: Do those fit on like a Hot Wheel track?
0: I think they do. I haven't uh, picked up one in a while, but I'm pretty sure they're like the same size as a Hot Wheel. Yeah. But uh, the van is like the same size as a Hot Wheel van, I'm pretty sure.
1: I have a couple on my desk. I have the MQ van and the uh, dual van.
0: And they're, they're Hot Wheel size. Will fit uh, if you already have a Hot Wheel collection. And if you're really awesome, you could maybe commission Chris to do a van. Let's not jump ahead.
2: Or or any other starving artists at this time that may have lost their day job.
0: Hey, I was going to say, I, I'm still employed. So Corey has returned from his COVID uh, quarantine period. I don't think yeah. I'll
2: ever go over that one. Just some allergies. Lots of pollen here in Florida.
0: Sure. Really, an iguana fell on your head.
2: A <laughs> frozen iguana knocked them out. <laughs> They're still falling out. The
0: weather around here, it's like. Now it's like s- spring outside. I sat on the porch for a good like 30 minutes and did like an hour walk.
2: It's like summer outside here, man. It's the high 80s. I'm outside for five minutes. I'm ready to go inside. I'm also off deodorant this week since uh, I'm not, I don't have to go outside or go anywhere. You're deodorant free. Yeah. Your family must
1: love you.
0: But uh, we do have a wonderful, wonderful guest that's sitting in on this episode. That is Josh from dot no NoLoveCity.com. Josh, welcome to the episode.
3: Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. It's good to be here.
0: We are very excited to have you on because, again, it's just like I feel like I know you, even though we maybe did or did not meet during Five Points Fest last year. There's a high possibility of it, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where it shows. It's like you meet all these people and sometimes you don't remember people. Like somebody came up at Decon and was like, oh, I met you at Five Points last year. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just just rough. You meet a lot of people. You nod and smile. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was great. Man, five points is great, isn't it? (laughs) So, uh, Josh, we want to, of course, give you a second to introduce No Love City and uh, what it is that you have been doing for over the past decade.
3: Well, we're a streetwear brand kind of focused on working with artists and doing mainly graffiti-esque type of things now. We originally started probably pre-2007 making uh, t-shirts and skateboards, and it kind of evolved from there. I never intended to be working in fashion or owning a clothing company or anything, but it kind of naturally happened and it got me off of other things that I was doing that weren't going anywhere and clothing ended up working out. and Now I love it and I'm starting a second brand.
0: I mean, that's really kind of, I think a lot of people's dream, right? Like to start something and then it turned into like their main gig. I mean, that's that's awesome, so I want to say congrats.
3: Thank you very much. Yeah, it was. it's it's a really cool feeling when you realize it, too, and it's like, well, maybe this is
0: what I should have been doing all along. So you mentioned a second brand. Are you able to talk about what that is?
3: Yeah, it's something I plan to do for a couple of years now, and I think we're finally in the place to be able to do it properly this year because I know all the mistakes and all the small quirks and everything from doing No Love City, so I'm like, I'm going to do another brand And we're not going to make any mistakes. (laughs) I say this, but you know how things
0: happen. I feel like I make mistakes like daily, so I I understand.
3: Exactly. So there's bound to be something that happens. But the other brand that we're starting is going to be later on this year. It's called Unlucky Charm. It's based on our love and respect for tattoo art and culture. So it's going to be heavily derivative of that
1: culture. So with that kind of stuff, are you going to be doing... Do you feel it's going to be the same kind of products you're going to be producing in the sense of would it be, you know, T-shirts, hats, or are you going a different kind of route?
3: There's definitely going to be T-shirts and hats. I mean, that's a lot of the stuff that I've already got kind of designed and planned out, the logo shirts and a couple of designs, and, you know, we'll do the same kind of hat program. But with this brand, we're actually looking to expand and have a women's collection, too, because that's something with NOLO City we never really had We have women customers that buy buy and wear our shirts and hats, and we appreciate them, but we've never really done a women's program. So that's something I wanted to do for Unlucky Charm, because it's a pretty more diverse kind of uh, industry that we're tapping into with that. So there'll be a lot more female customers, I believe, for Unlucky Charm.
0: As we've been going through the obvious things that are going on in the country right now, how is uh, quarantine slash isolation going for you guys?
3: We're okay. We're doing what we usually do. I'm a home person anyways, so I don't really like to be out with people. So not a lot has really changed for me, and I'm a bit germaphobic, so (laughs) I've been washing my hands anyways. You're like, I'm good. So what I've been doing was the recommended
1: thing all along. You're ahead of the curve.
0: (laughs) Yeah. What about you, Chris? How are things going uh, at the home front there? In Staten Island, you're kind of on the front lines.
1: Oh, geez. Our numbers are uh, insane out here. You know, I've just basically been, um, you know, working from home for the nine to five. And then once that's over, I, you know, hang out with the family for a little bit and then get back to painting and right now working on some commissions and some group show stuff. But I mean, for the most part, I don't, I really don't get out too much anymore, you know, between work and the family. They're really the only people I see (laughs) unless it's a, you know, unless there's an art show going on and, uh. We know that's not happening anytime soon.
0: So, Corey, how um, how are you doing during this time? Everything uh, good down there? Packing and order still? You know, doing your thing?
2: Yeah, I mean, work-wise, not really much has changed for me, except Matilda doesn't go to daycare anymore. So I have to entertain her Monday through Wednesday while Yvette's at work. <laughs>
1: so, uh, I was going to say, entertain or torture her. Because that, that video you posted that was <laughs> horrible. <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know, look up Corey's Facebook and, you know, Look at, look at the, the video he posted.
0: Hey, she faked a sprained ankle for, like, how many hours, Corey?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. She had it coming for, like, two hours. She's like, oh, my leg hurts. I can't. Like, she's, like, dragging her leg, like, pick me up. I was like, all right. So I was picking her ass up all, all over the house for, like, two hours. And then I catch her jumping on her bed in her room. I'm like, what is this?
0: <laughs> Payback. <laughs> so, no, but, like, I guess my, my point with all this conversation is, you know, in a in a time when everybody's kind of going through this, like, major change where people are trying to, you know, maybe they go out of the house and they work and now they're working in the home. I guess, uh, my question for like Chris is how does one stay creative during this period where like there's massive change or massive, you know, just kind of like doom and gloom, right? Like how do we stay creative and keep doing things?
1: For me, it's kind of difficult because, you know, I did, I do get a lot of inspiration and a lot of work done on my commute, you know, like a lot of the post-it note drawings and the, and the sketch, the fairy sketches and stuff like that. So, Having that removed has been a little difficult, but I do get to actually get to work earlier now because I get to leave work at five and I'm home. You know, typically I wouldn't be home until seven o'clock at night. So as far as like staying creative, I mean, one thing I've been doing a lot of is uh, looking at old work that I did and a lot of older inspirations that I had, whether it was, you know, some of the old graffiti stuff some old artists you know like i actually i broke out one of my favorite books i ever got was a dr seuss book but it's like of all his artwork of like all the sculptures he did and like the non like children's book stuff like the the propaganda posters and everything he did so i mean like that's so kind of like left field that i i think it's like kind of a great inspiration and then actually what i like to do and it sounds really weird because a lot of other people don't get it is even though it's something I I don't do, you know, it's not like my artwork, but I love to look at like, like oil painters and and kind of, you know, whether it be still lifes or, you know, paintings of animals and and nature paintings and stuff like that, even though it's not the work I do, I find that stuff so inspirational and just like, just like a huge, like, I think it's, I think it kind of pushes me to see stuff that I can't do. Well, that isn't like what I usually normally do, And it kind of pushes me more.
0: Yeah. And like, it's, it's something totally different than what you do. So it's like, it's not like you're trying to pull from the, the work, right? right? You're just kind of like looking at it and seeing it as something that can like give you like a drive or a push towards doing the things you do because you appreciate what's going on in that work.
1: Well, yeah. Yeah. And also it's amazing to see lighting and shadows and stuff like that in those kind of paintings because they are, you know, usually painted from like real life and stuff like that. So, it's a big influence and a big inspiration for me because I have to take those things into consideration too. So, seeing how like, you know, an old master kind of handled, you know, like like Rembrandt, like and then just seeing how like there's these amazing darks and these these, you know, very very bright, you know, highlighted areas. I kind of try and influence my work with that because even though my stuff is completely graphical and, you know, Illustrative mm-hmm. compared to them, I feel the lighting is almost the same, and the shadows the same.
0: From an illustrative or stylized kind of view, you do have a lot of different colors within your characters that create those shadows that you know, not everybody really includes in like your style of work. Yeah. But um, I guess you know, also it's like, I mean, luckily I'm still have my, you know, my job. So I'm not worried about like my job, but I'm dealing with the, you know, the transition from working in my office to working at home. But in a way it almost has been kind of relieving, I guess you would say. Like it's, it's like, I'm still working. I'm still getting things accomplished, but at the same time I'm saving all this time, kind of like you were talking about Chris, but I'm also like with the time I'm saving, I'm trying to utilize it. So it's like oh, I'm not driving to work, so now I can walk my dog for, like, 30 minutes, you know, and, like, go off and, you know, hang out on just sitting on my porch, you know, and, like, take in the scenery because the weather's been nice here in Ohio for once. You know, it's, like, it's been kind of peaceful in a way, I guess you would say. So, like, I feel like I'm almost, like, recharging and, like, building this energy to continue towards the things I'm doing, but at the same time, as I'm sure you know, Josh and Corey would also agree. It's also very like unnerving because we're like investing in making new brands or new products, and it's like, is there going to be anybody to buy those products? Well,
1: well, it's yeah. it's, it's, it's got to be real stressful for you guys. I mean, anybody who has a company that's you know a self based company, it's got to be difficult. You know, whether it is toys or or you know clothing or anything like that. I mean, it's this. I mean, I, I know personally, like. I see a lot of artist friends and and small brand friends like struggling.
2: I think it's because everything's so uncertain, you know, like it could be like a real shitstorm for a long time or it might not be so bad.
0: Or it could be like six months and everybody gets their check from the government and they're happy. It could be two years. Who knows? You know, like if the people lose confidence in like the fact that they may or may not have a job. How does that affect people spending? You know, twenty dollars on a t-shirt, fifty dollars on a t-shirt, or you know, fifty dollar toy or whatever. How does that affect their purchasing trends? Yeah,
3: I think the effect has already happened because I know that I'm comfortable saying that our sales have been down. We ran a, a big sale last week, so you know that helped us. But since this all kind of started and people started getting on lockdown and everything, it, it's definitely affected sales and. I'm more worried about other artist friends of ours, like tattoo artists. None of them are working, so they've got to rely on trying to sell art or other commissions or whatever they can do to try to get by. And then artist friends in general, like Chris and you guys, I'm sure have have seen the impact of it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, you know, it's um, Corey and I both sell things that are, you know, very much like luxury items, right? It's like, I have the money to buy this decoration for my home, (laughs) you know, kind of a thing. Um, so we're, we're very affected by, you know, like a downturn in the economy like this, but at the same time, it's, we both know that it's, it's a thing that goes and comes in waves, but like at the same time, it's put, it kind of pushes me to keep making top tier product, I guess is partially too, because like, Even in like times of down, I think that people will still appreciate quality and they still will go after those things if they can afford to do it. But, you know, it just, it makes it, it makes it hard to like invest thousands of dollars into a new production, um, when times are uncertain and like whether or not there's going to be people to buy that thing when you get it here in America, um, it's, You know, because like not only are you investing thousands of dollars, but you're usually investing like eight to ten months of your life as well because you're going to continue to, you know, usher that product from idea to the design to production to selling that product. And, you know, what's your time worth? We're also
2: all planning for certain events, too. Like, I I don't know how many uh, exclusives I purchased for five points and then some, you know, for Megacon that was supposed to happen in Florida and then. Um, Even Decon, who knows if Decon will happen. We don't know how long this is going to stretch out.
0: And we're all sitting here looking at like, do I keep holding my product, waiting for five points to either happen or not happen? Or do I just go ahead and start planning new release dates for those products, even prior to them announcing whether or not that's going to be a thing? And also on top of that is like, even if five points is planning to happen at this point, whether or not. Either the state steps in and says, let's shut things down. New York City steps in and says, nope, we're going to shut things down. Or, nope, you can go ahead and have it. But, like, banking on the fact that people are going to travel in for the event, it's kind of tough.
3: Totally. What I've been worried about, too, with Five Points is that if they still do go on, how many people are going to show up? I I want their event to be as good and great and big as it should be, but it worries me with, with everything that the turnout's going to be there.
0: You know, and then also too, like uh, Chris and I and Corey have talked about previously, it's, you know, with all the delays we've been seeing from, you know, factories and whatnot due to the coronavirus, I had a lot of stuff that I was hoping to have by five points that I won't have. So it's like, are people going to be able to get product to offer awesome exclusives at the event? just because of production delays due to the virus.
2: I got I the exact opposite for my factories. They're like, we're ready to ship in April. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> just hang like, on a minute.
0: <laughs> well, and, yeah, I mean, and that's also too, it's like the factory, you know, for products that were um, in the sampling phase prior to, you know, Chinese new year and the coronavirus outbreak, they're trying to get that stuff done because oftentimes the, if you had a product that was not quite to molding at that point, They may not have that yet due to the fact that maybe they outsourced the molding, the mold making or, you know, any kind of other product. And now they don't have that in-house now. So they're trying to rush out the stuff that they had in-house prior to the outbreak.
2: Yeah. I've even had a a couple of factories like send me some duplicate invoices. They're like, can you make sure you pay these? Because we're not sure if you did or not. And part of me is wondering, like, are they expecting our dollar to drop and they're just Making sure they collect before, you know, we, (laughs) that our currency is is shit.
0: Possibly. Or possibly because of, um, you know, all the issues with the outbreak and whatnot. They may just need capital to pay people. Yeah. But it's, uh, you know, it's just uh, crazy times. And, like, how this all affects what it is that we all do, whether it's toys, fashion, art. We haven't seen the effects of it yet. And it just depends on how long it goes on to really how deep the effect goes. Because, I mean, really, I, I mean, obviously, uh, if you've been paying attention to the news, they obviously passed the stimulus bill, and they're going to pay $1,200 to people that made X number of dollars per year prior to 2019, or whatever they're doing. But uh, $1,200, if you have been out of work for, you know, a month, is not a lot of money.
2: Yeah, I, I do think the what they're doing as far as, like, giving businesses loans that are forgiven, if they continue to pay their employees, will help a ton if businesses commit to
0: that. Yeah, that'll definitely help keeping people um, getting paid at a minimum. Um, But, uh, you know, there's a lot of um, restaurant workers, store, retail type workers um, that are sitting at home right now. And, um, you know, they obviously have opened up a lot of unemployment opportunities for folks and stuff like that. But is it going to make up for lost income? No,
1: no, I was going to say, and there's also, you know, people don't realize, but there is kind of certain stipulations with, You know, unemployment, you know, depending on job classification. So I thought that you might not get, you might not be entitled to it. Yeah, if you're
0: a 1099 employee, like an independent contractor type person, you may not be able to go get it. If you own the store and or restaurant, you probably are not qualified to go get unemployment. So there's a lot of, you know, stipulations that are still going to keep people from having money. And maybe those people happen to support artists or toy producers or fashion streetwear type brands as well, or any kind of local type, you know, brand
1: or they are
0: artists. Yeah, that too. And and local businesses, um, small type companies are the people that are going to feel it the hardest, you know. Obviously, you know like a you know a super large brand that's on the New York Stock Exchange is going to see it when they go to their investors and say, "Hey, uh we didn't make anywhere near what we thought we were going to make." Um so their stock's going to take a hit, but uh you know they're probably not going to maybe lose their house because their business didn't do what it was supposed to do this year, you know. Um and small businesses are the people that are going to feel it the most. And um, so if you are somebody listening to this podcast and are able to go out and support a small independent artist, small independent brand, uh, company, you know, whatever, um, I, I, I highly, you know, encourage you to do that if you're able to do it, uh, because those folks are going to feel it now and they're gonna feel it hopefully you know six months from now when they survive this whole whatever's going on in the world right now so
3: yeah keep buying toys support the makers and the stores they need it all the stores are shut down so they're doing online sales only and that's you know only so much so i hope i hope i see a lot of hope on my like facebook and instagram of people saying you know it's time to support artists and small businesses and stuff so like i i feel like it's out there i don't know if people are doing it but the the love is definitely there which is really a good feeling
0: yeah and i think it's uh it's Nice to see that stuff and realize that people do understand that those, you know, small businesses are the people that are going to feel it the most. And that's not even to say that, like, so a company like McDonald's, right, they franchise to, you know, small business owners, right? They, yeah, these people have a McDonald's, but, like, they maybe own three, you know. They're still technically a small business at that point, point. and those people are going to feel it, too. Because they're, you know, they're still able to do takeout or whatever during this period of time. But, you know, th- their whole business is built on the fact that they're able to sell to food to people that walk in. And they can't do that right now either. Um, so it's, it's, it's bigger than, like, just completely local. But the people that are going to feel it the most are those small businesses. And, it, you know, it's, we do need to protect people. And we do need to keep people safe uh, health-wise. But uh, just if you're able to and able to support, make sure you're helping those local businesses that you enjoy to go to and support. And, you know, small brands that you are supporting prior to this, if you're able to keep supporting those brands, because um, it'd be nice to see people survive this thing. Well
1: said.
2: I will say there's been a lot of good memes out of
0: all this. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them involving Baby Yoda. He made a resurgence.
1: I haven't seen any with Baby Yoda really?
0: Yeah, there's been a lot of Corona Baby Yoda memes. <laughs> I haven't
1: <laughs> really seen them either. The only thing I've, I've, I've seen, seen a like, couple. The only thing I've seen is that goddamn Tiger King.
0: Oh, the Tiger King is ruling the Corona quarantine.
2: I remember when that happened cuz Big Cat Rescue's down here, like not too far away, and the old vet clinic I used to work at, we used to do all the the surgeries and treatments for other cats. That guy is fucking
1: bananas.
0: So you met him.
2: No no no. Wait, wait, wait. I, I did not meet that guy, but I did meet the owner of Big Cat Rescue who he tried to have killed.
1: The the woman the woman who fed her husband to her cats.
2: I haven't watched the documentary yet.
1: <laughs> oh sorry. Um so did you see any any <laughs> any elevated levels in those cats of human protein when you worked on them?
2: It was usually just the x rays and surgeries and they were always sedated.
1: I got a question. All right. So So did you go there to work on them or did they come into your facility?
2: No. So they would tranquilize them there and then bring them in. And then the doctor, if they needed, we know would give them more of a sedative, but um, we'd pick them up and put them on the x-ray tables and, you know, take their x-rays while they're asleep. And they're kind of grumbling a little bit too and stuff like that.
1: That had to be pretty trippy. Like kind of, you had to be nervous a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
2: Yeah, because I was at the head one of the times. I was like, oh, "This thing,
1: sure it's sleep." And
3: I have the other end.
2: I think I was like 17 at the time, so it was even more trippy. I was like, "I don't know about all
0: this." I never would have thought we would have we would have boots on the ground for t- like the most popular Netflix show.
1: We're like we're like two degrees away from Kevin Bacon right now. <laughs>
0: it's like our show is relevant.
1: So when you met the Tiger King, just go with it. Was he nice? <laughs> Uh, that's pretty crazy but that, so those are the memes that i've been seeing that have been all over the place that and uh just uh, well see in new york i see a ton of the uh the cuomo and uh de blasio posts which i'm sure you guys don't see so no
2: i don't see any of that i see a lot of donald trump
1: yeah i'm not in, i'm not getting baby yoda memes now i'm upset I, that's... you don't you don't
0: have enough nerdy friends apparently
2: you guys have any uh good binge watching uh, shows
0: you can recommend? So my wife, she really wanted to watch Pokemon.
2: The new movie?
0: No, no, no. Just like the show, like from oh, when she was okay. a kid, right? And uh, we discovered that if you download this app called Pokemon.tv, all the shows are on there for fucking free. <laughs> like you don't even have to pay money. So like if you enjoy Pokemon, apparently that's a thing.
1: Did you see the the detective movie?
0: Uh, we, we, we did not, but uh, I've heard it's actually pretty good.
1: It's good it was really
0: good i liked it a lot so ryan reynolds you know doing this thing
2: (laughs) like i can't do anything wrong
0: hey he's like deadpool and then he's like oh i'm an animated fake creature thing
2: what about you chris what have you been binge watching
1: so one i love the uh jeff goldblum show that's on disney plus i think it's life according to jeff Goldblum, something like that that's really awesome uh what else the the imagineering show that's on there is awesome that's incredible. The footage that they have from back in like the '50s, when like Disneyland was being built, is incredible. Yep. And then, and then for some reason, I binged the whole the whole goddamn show of The Office. I started from the beginning and nice. I watched the whole. Th- you know, I watched what it when it think? was on. I, well, I loved it. I mean, I, well, I watched okay. it when it was on, but like, something just like I think it's because it's always on Comedy Central, and I catch episodes here and there, and I'm like. I got to watch the whole thing again and literally like, I don't know, this past week I I finished a whole show and I'm just like, my wife's, my wife's just like, really, you're going to watch that show. You've seen it already. I'm like, yeah, but I don't know. It's been a few years already.
2: It gets better every time you watch it, man. I I probably watch it four or five times a year.
3: Yeah, me too.
0: It's a great show.
3: I just finished rewatching Stranger Things again just because I love that show.
0: I'm trying to finish up uh, Star Trek The Next Generation never watched that show before but uh it's a good like while i'm working on stuff show to have on in the background
2: did you ever watch the newer battlestar galactica
0: no but i've thought about it i just haven't got around to it
2: it's amazing it's a very good show and it's there's like a ton of well there's like five seasons but it's really good
0: edward james almost
2: yeah,
1: yeah. stranger things i watched season one and two i haven't watched three yet and and star trek next generation i don't know well,
0: i just like patrick stewart so i was like you hey, know i gotta watch this I only really like the episodes when it's like stuff going on on the ship where it's like like the more you know classic like navy styles type thing when there's like they go off and they're like dressed up in like detective gear and shit no I don't fuck it that's the same my thing you know or they like go back in time or some shit no can't do this but
1: that's more of a nod to the original show if anything yeah
0: yeah definitely that's that's what it is but it just doesn't uh it doesn't do it for me. You know, like you know, the on the ship drama. Yeah, I like the on the ship drama, and I like the quote-unquote creature of the week, right? Like the you know that that's an X Files term, but like the thing that's going on that week. That that kind of keeps your entertainment, you know, while you're going on. But uh, you know, really, it's Patrick Stewart's what got me on the show, and then I'm like, okay, I'm six up, six seasons in, I gotta finish this. And plus, with Picard on, maybe I'll watch that too. Yeah, sure. well, you know,
1: here's the thing: what I think what happened with Next Generation was it was on. I think it was Sunday nights on channel 11 at 1130. And when I was a kid that would interrupt being able to watch the honeymooners because that was their normal time slot. So anytime on Sunday when like that would come on, I'd be like, oh God, I hate the show. And I think it just, I think it just kind of transferred over to me being, you know, 35 years later.
0: (laughs) To to be honest, like after watching seven seasons of Star Trek, I can't say I love Star Trek, but uh, (laughs) well, hey, I did enjoy just having that show as something to kind of like be in the background and, you know, watch and pay attention to and like pick up from here and there. But there are definitely episodes where I'm like, okay, we could have made this like a killer 13 season, 13 episode season. We didn't need 26 episodes, guys. But that's the old school format, you know, of like TV, right? Like X-Files the same way. There's plenty of episodes where it's like, we don't need 24 episodes in the season. Like if you just pared it down, to like thirteen episodes, guys, this would have been great. But like TV standard back then was twenty-four episodes.
2: Like, now there's like yeah. no standard. You can have six episodes and that's a season.
1: It's so bad. I, I don't understand how some shows call that like a ten episodes is a season.
0: That kills me. It's annoying. Back to Josh's Stranger Things. Yeah.
3: Yep. <laughs> They're there are eight episodes and there's been a lot of shows lately. There's uh the sinner's one that my wife likes a lot. That's only eight episodes. There's definitely oh. a bunch with only ten. It's crazy, like you said. There's no standard anymore. It can be whatever.
1: Well, I I know I've mentioned it before, but I remember back in the day, in order for you to get your show syndicated, you had to have a hundred episodes, and that was oh. the only way. Like you'd actually get it played, like in regular syndication. Now, a show could have like two seasons, and and they're playing the hell out of it on TNT or freaking Channel 55.
2: Do you guys ever <laughs> get tricked with uh, Netflix and? watch a movie thinking it's a TV show, and then you're like, all right, when's the next episode? And then you're like, wait, that was a movie?
0: I, I have not personally had that happen to me, but I have had, like, where you're like, you'll see, it's like season one, and you click it, and it's literally like a short, it's like it's like a two-part documentary. Yeah. They, they put it into a season format, and it's like, no, this is really just like one long movie. Like, it's like two hours long. And you pretended like it's two episodes.
1: Well, well, Shane was telling me he started watching some show that's got like Jason Lee. He does a voice as a um, as a bear or something. He's watching it continuously. I'm like, how the hell are you watching all this? It's, like all these multiple seasons. But then I look at it and I'm like, every episode's like 11 minutes. How is that a show? Like, what can happen in 11 minutes? Is that the We Bear Bears? That's it. We Bear Bears. That's it. Oh, he, he says cute. it's great. I man. don't. Know. I mean, it was on Comedy Central. It's- oh. It's cartoon like Cartoon
2: Network. Network. Yeah, it's like a little kid show. It's it's all right. It kind of shows where uh Jason Lee's career is.
1: Wow.
0: I mean it started out in a Kevin Smith movie, right? So
1: <laughs> Listen, I used to not, love that guy, man. Do not diss Kevin please do not diss Jason Lee. He was one of the he was one of the best skateboarders ever. He was. He had some of the best <laughs> graphics, he had some of the best ads and skateboard- He had a lot of great things and then nothing.
0: And I love Kevin Smith, too, but I like trashing on Kevin Smith as well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, I think I think the thing with Jason Lee was, I mean, did he leave the Church of Scientology? I didn't think he was ever in. Oh, yeah, he was. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a feeling that he might have left, and that's why he, you know, was stuck doing Alvin and the Chipmunk sequels.
2: Like, I, I liked him a lot. Gross. My name is Earl, and then everything after that was, like, garbage.
1: No, he made a great show after My Name Is Earl. It's called yeah. Memphis Beat. Yeah, that show was great. He was a detective. Yeah, uh, it was on, it was on it, TNT. Only okay. one season, but it was such a great show. It was such a great show that it only lasted one season. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened to on me TNT. more times than I
3: like. I, oh, I yeah. watch the show and I fall in love with it, and then it's like, oh, sorry, they only made one season.
1: Yep, and then and then if you want to buy it on DVD, it costs like. 70 dollars for the one season because right there's like four copies being made and you know it's not going to show up on netflix ever so you gotta buy it no
0: if you're looking for a show just to kind of like escape everything that's going on and you just want to watch something that's kind of mindless but yet super funny as well big mouth on uh, netflix
1: oh yeah my friend tony was just telling me that today he's like you gotta watch it.
0: it's so it's so funny
2: I can only take so much of it, like three episodes, and I'm like, I got to turn this off. This is too much.
0: <laughs> it's so funny, though. Like, it is like, I mean, my wife and I binged it maybe like six months ago, and I was like, wow, this is this is good. Like, it's really well done. And to be honest, like, if you were like, I mean, it's not appropriate for people that are probably like, I don't know, 12 years old or 13 years old. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, what you're going through at that period in your life, this is, like, a, a perfect, like, thing to make you feel better about it. I don't know. That's the way I feel about it.
2: What is it's it? It's pretty spot on. It's, it's, like, these kids going through um, puberty and changes and, like, getting boners at school, but they all have their own, <laughs> uh, like, sex monster fairy.
0: Hormone monster.
2: Hormone monster. Sorry. It's, like, what? talking them through everything.
0: And it's, it's just hilarious. Like... And it, I think it's really well done. You know, it's just, if you're looking for something to totally escape, that's a good laugh for that period of time. <laughs> and there's like three seasons now, so there's a good amount of content that you can blow through. <laughs> we should talk about toys.
1: If you guys had to, this is for all three of you guys, because you all are toy collectors and know about these things. If you had to name one toy that you wish you had in your collection, what would it be? Ooh. Does it have to be a designer toy or any toy?
0: Anything you want. Four foot cause companion. I wish I would have bought one when they were like eighteen hundred dollars versus the ten thousand dollars they are now. Also, uh, Shogun Godzilla.
1: The Shogun Godzilla. Is that the one where you press the thing on the back and it, the flame thing came out?
0: And the hand pop, you know, shoots out like from the seventies, like the the Mattel Shogun Warrior toys, whatever they were called back in the day.
1: Should Should I tell you that I had one of those and it was buried in my backyard for years? <laughs>
0: Did you lose the hand? Because that's what's so expensive.
1: <laughs> no joke. my My brother had my brother had one when we were kids, and he had buried it in the yard. And <laughs> every few times we'd go play in the yard, like we'd like dig it up.
0: I mean, I'm not like obsessed with the idea of having one, but I would love to own one at some point.
3: I'd love to have the room to be able to get a four or five foot toy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would just have to make it work. I don't. I don't know where I would put it, <laughs> to be honest with you.
1: I do would say if it's worth ten grand, you figure it exactly. out.
0: Exactly. Like so my mantra my mantra in life is if you want something bad enough, you'll figure out a way to make it work. That works.
1: Mine would probably be that uh
2: Kid Robot Black that Tara McPherson did.
0: Oh, that's a good one.
2: I can never find that for like a decent flipper price.
0: Well, most of the Kid Robot Black stuff, um, you know, it was done really well back in the day. So um the, the price points have held pretty well on most of those figures.
1: Yeah. Maybe the Alex Party one too. That one's pretty
0: sweet. That's a good one as well. Uh,
1: what are they so there was a what is it, a black line that was like
0: Yeah, so there was like the it was like the premium Kid Robot format, uh Kid Robot Black. And um they would maybe release one or two of them per year, and they did it for probably like I wanna say like four years maybe. And um and it was like a super high end quote unquote art toy now they fetch a pretty high price on the secondary market because they were they were pretty limited and they were they were all done with black being the main color on the pieces so there was definitely a ron english one tara mcpherson the alex pardee gary baseman there was one of those a birdhouse clock cuckoo clock type thing Uh, but there's a there's a series like a whole series of them and they all fetch a pretty good price on the secondary market now
3: Kid Robots, what got me into toys basically um, was probably 2003, 2004. I started buying blind box dunnies, and then it went from there. My story is similar to a lot of people that have been in it around the same amount of time as. Kid Robot opened the door, and then other things came up. Like uh, I'm a big fan of Ferg's work, so I have all the squats and Trouble Boys and Terror Boys. I have some course pieces and things like that. But Kid Robot started it all for me.
0: So you have all the you have all the Fergs. There's a lot of those. <laughs> I don't have
3: I don't have all of them. I have all the Trouble Boys and all the Terror Boys for sure, and then I have some of the special releases. But I don't have the whole the whole army. I know somebody that does. It's fun to
2: look at pictures. It's it's, it's quite a collection. Is he still doing stuff? Cuz I haven't seen anything in a long time. He 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 stopped making toys.
3: Yeah. So he's been making like uh, pry tools and beads and just different random metalwork stuff. But no, yeah, I I think he's done with toys and that kind of bums me out cuz he did awesome stuff.
0: I remember um, you know when Rodofugi used to they obviously did like the Ferg shows and different things, but they yeah. also had like the like three foot, two and a half foot tall.
2: Oh yeah, those giant the ones. The giant
0: ones, and those things were freaking crazy when you saw them in person.
2: You want to switch out your cause for that?
0: No, no,
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> just for resale value? <laughs> no,
0: um, I think that uh, from a standpoint of the things that we do, that that cause piece is still, you know, it's just a, it's an iconic figure and like I kicked myself for not buying it when it was affordable quote-unquote affordable it's like now it's like unobtainable at this point you know but there was a time when I remember when it came out and I was like oh man I wish I had $1,800 or whatever to buy it and I you know if I would have just hunkered down and ate ramen during college there's probably a chance I could have made it work and now it's like well can't get it at all there's like no possible way that I would ever reasonably pay as much money as those things cost
3: one toy one small toy that i want that i don't have is bad apple by mighty jacks the kind of snow white with the grenade
0: yeah that was a, a big deal back in the day i remember when those came out way more of these kid robot black figures than i remember i forgot about the sir one that i remember when that thing came out
2: yeah i know i, I looked up on tramp uh, if anybody doesn't know tramp it's tramp.com you can find practically any toy that was ever made they have a really good database
1: yeah Tramped is awesome I don't I'm I'm looking at all these. First off, it is definitely kinda of weird that that S S U R and Jeff Staple had ones.
0: Well, Kid Robot used to do a lot of stuff with like up and coming sh- quote unquote streetwear designers. You know. So like Sir was um you know, that was one of, I think that was the first one. And um, I remember when that thing came out and that was back when I was still just like a streetwear guy. I wasn't a toy guy. Um, and I remember when that thing came, you know, came to be. So it's kind of crazy when I see that thing's fetch like two grand now, like fifteen hundred dollars, two grand for that for that skull. It's pretty freaking crazy. <laughs>
1: I'll be honest, I don't think any of these really jump out to me. The crow one is cool, C R A W W. Yeah.
0: See, I don't remember that Jeff Staple one being a Black Series one. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't remember that being a Black Series one. I went to the. I went to the L.A. release party for that Jeff Staple figure. It wasn't a Black Series one, though. It was just a random, the random, the regular release, the one that's like normal pigeon colors.
2: I think uh, Tramp has a little bit of a, like a Wikipedia-esque to it, so like people can put stuff up, so it's possible it
1: wasn't in the Black Series. What do you call it's not bad, the Jeff Soto one?
0: The one I hate from that release, or all these series... The Ron English one. Yeah, And the reason being is that if they would have made that, like, the original American Depressed print with just normal-looking Mickey yeah, yeah. strapped that. down to the credit card, it would have been awesome. Instead, yeah. it's like this weird, stylized, fat Mickey. Yeah,
1: yeah I, I don't like how distorted he is. It's just weird.
0: And that piece is designed to hang on the wall, Chris. So, like, if it was the original, like, the print, it would have been sweet.
1: I'm kind of surprised by the Doze Green one, too. I don't
0: know. Oh, yeah, the Doze Green one. That one was sweet.
1: I'm a little thrown off by the the larger foot.
0: Yeah, I'll give you that. Doze Green had some great Kid Robot stuff, though, back in the day. It really kind of represented his work pretty well.
1: Derek Hess is pretty dope. I thought none of these
2: were jumping out at you.
1: Nah, I'd say, like, I think the Derek Hess is pretty cool, but I think it's just because of the crazy stark colors. I don't know. Toys are crazy. You guys are crazy for how much money you guys spend. It's insane. (laughs) So what toy
2: would you, uh, what's
1: your, for me? Yeah. Oh, um, see for me, I, I, I'm more like nostalgia kind of thing. I mean, it would be great to have some of the early cause stuff. I do have some of like the, the bare brick stuff that he did,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like the, um, bus station and stuff like that. But, um, if I was going to get something, I would just so I could hang it on my wall. Um, Probably would be, like, a Storm Shadow and a Snake Eyes original in package, like, mint condition J.I. Joe's.
2: You want them graded, too?
1: This is your wish. Yeah. Yeah, throw them in there. Yeah, might as well grade them. Nah, you know. Yeah. 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 Because for me, like, I mean, there's there's so much stuff that was produced and still being produced. and, And I appreciate it and get it. But for me, like, like... I know we talked about this and how there's like certain toys that get like multiple releases and it, it just gets confusing to me. I'll be honest. And like, even like the colorways thing, like it amazes me that, you know, there's only one shop can carry a colorway for this certain toy. Um, and
2: well, do you want an explanation of that or?
1: Sure. I mean, I, I would love to know more and I'm sure they, people who are listening who have no clue just like me would love to know more
2: so usually like if you have to make i don't know six colors of a toy because you want to split it up out of the the minimum order the is requiring you to do like if you have to make 800 toys and you want to split that up into six colors well finding three stores to buy exclusives will pretty much pay for the entire run uh give or take so by selling exclusives off you know prior to releasing like you've paid for your production for the most part
1: so say i make the robot and i have strange cat do its own run of colors what mm-hmm. would that be would that be like a hundred like you would do like a hundred or is it like a so it, it just typical de-
2: it just depends i mean you, whoever the producer is you know would figure that out with the factory or, you know, if the factory says you, you, you have to make 150 minimum of each color, then, well, then that's what you tell the store. Like, you can have the exclusive, but it's 150 or more.
1: Now, would those be numbered? Like, how would people be able to keep track of that?
2: Uh, some people number them, but I, I haven't really seen that that much anymore. Because,
1: I one, growing up in New York, I don't trust anybody. So, <laughs> it, <laughs> it, it, it kind of amazes me to, like, think that, you know, you could have, you know, you know, you could be told by the factory or the the producer, or the toy saying, oh, yeah, there's only 150 of these made. You're going to get all 150 of them. But on the side, that producer could have 175 made and be flipping 25 on their own.
2: I will say it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. Um, typically, people will make extra for archive, like maybe five or something, but not not usually 25 50 yet. if you're doing that then you're using that to make a little side money without paying the artists.
1: like i said i don't trust
2: a lot of people so. for your like not so much for like if you're making your robot toy but if you're collecting like as a collector does quantity matter to you
1: does quantity matter as far as like how many were made
2: yeah like if it says there's only 50 of these made versus 500 does that
1: skew your purchasing no i think 100% yeah especially it depends on what it would be like, for example, if if there was a, a figure that I, I liked and it was, like, one of an open edition, you know, I wouldn't be too worried. But if it was a figure that I liked and I found out that it was only 50 of them made, yeah, I would buy that quicker. Mm-hmm. I think that matters. Numbering things always kind of made sense to me and, and kind of was more important because I do think that things do end up out there. What about you, Travis?
0: I don't personally, I generally just buy stuff that I like. So I don't necessarily worry about the total quantity of those pieces that are out there. If, let's say, like, here's the original colorway, but I know there's going to be an additional colorway that comes later that might be more limited, I'm going to buy the colorway that I like the most. I'm not going to be like, oh, this one's limited to 50 pieces versus 200 pieces. No, if I don't, if I don't like that colorway, I don't like the colorway. So I'm going to go with the piece that I like the most.
2: You'll wait it out and then play the field and see what what all's out there.
0: Um. Well, sometimes, but like you can get burnt doing that too, right? So like sometimes you you don't buy something and it sells out and then you can't get it, right? So there's that that chance too. But uh, the the reason I stick to that is because um, when I buy something, um, and my wife can attest to this, and she usually gets really mad at me, is that when I buy something, like it, I don't sell it. Like, so like it comes in and never goes out. <laughs> I like, think that's the, yep. you know, the issue. I'm just saying. Yeah. So if I'm buying something, I'm only buying the thing that I want because I'm never going to probably get rid of it. So I don't really care about resale. Right. I strictly buy the things I like because in the, and part of that is, is because if you always buy the things you like, you don't ever have to worry about losing money. Because if you're buying just for, like, the resale value, there's a good chance that you're going to lose money.
1: I agree with that, because I know that, like, well, mainly in the 90s, when I was buying a lot of McFarlane, so, like, a lot of those kind of stuff, and I would buy, like, full sets. I, I had, like, direct connections to, you know, certain toy stores and stuff like that, and comic book stores through my uncle, so I would just buy sets like, straight from them. And, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I definitely got my hands on that were kind of difficult, like there was a Back in the day, it was like a boxing homer. It was like an exclusive, and I remember when I bought that thing. You know, I probably paid twenty bucks for it or whatever. And before I even got it, it was worth like fifty. You know, and and that interested me, and I was like excited about that. But I definitely, as time went on, I definitely only started to buy the things that I would display. You know, like the things I gave a shit about, and that I would actually put up in my studio. So I, I know what you mean. That, that that makes sense. Yeah. What about you, Josh?
3: Well. I don't think quantity really matters to me. I, at one point, was a completionist, and that's not a good thing to be. (laughs) Uh, So once I got that kick out of me, um, you know, I just started buying things that I like. And I don't, you know, like he said, don't worry about resale anything. So I'm not buying something for $200 thinking, oh, man, I'm going to lose money when I get bored with this, you know. So I I don't have to go through that anymore. And it's been nice just buying what I like. Super plastic here, of course, there, whatever.
0: I'm currently staring at um, a nearly complete set of carded skeleton warrior figures. I don't know if you guys remember that uh, line of figures from like the early 90s. Yeah. And I don't think I paid more than $20 for the entire set of them. I absolutely love these figures for no real apparent reason other than i appreciate the sculpting work on them because i've never seen the show i know nothing about the toy line or the mythos i just think it's a cool looking set of figures and probably will never sell them and i know nothing about them i just think they're cool
2: the uh, doctor cyborg was my favorite toy for a long time
0: um, i'm looking at one in a box you <laughs> still love that toy with the like sticker from the original store like, like, still stuck on it. It still has the tag from whatever store it was available in back in the day.
2: Yeah, I don't wow. think I ever watched the show or anything either, but I, I remember loving this toy line.
0: Yeah, it's just a great toy line. And, but like, is anybody ever going to want to buy these things from me? Probably not.
2: <laughs> maybe, maybe one day. Maybe I'll hit I'll hit you up in a few years.
0: That like I'll be like, look, I've been holding these for a while, Corey. <laughs> But no, it's like you just got to buy the stuff you like because, you know, when the the economy drops or whatever happens, uh, as long as you still like it, you'll never be mad at it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just so you know that the show and everything was horrible.
0: I assume it was.
1: It was so, you know, the toys were cool because I think the toys for me, they reminded me of like the old Sinbad and like stop animation kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Like. That's what I had that look to it, Those Skeleton Warriors.
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, you know, it was like another one of those shows where it's like, you know what's popular right now? Let's uh, try to make something like that. And uh, that's there's a reason it's only like one season long.
2: <laughs> my, uh, my collecting habit seems to change by like di- different artists that I find. Like when I first started, I, it, the numbers were really the only thing that mattered to me because all I really cared about was resale value. And then I kind of switched it up to just buying the stuff that I like. And then I found the Zeki dinos from Unbox. Have you seen those? Yeah. they were pumping those things out like one a week or one every other week. I must have picked up like 25 of those and then I got one of the giant ones and one of the waffle groups. And then I just ran out of room to put them places and I just stopped buying them altogether. It's like my my fascination with them just ended because of room.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Josh, out in uh you're you're based in Illinois, right? Yes, sir. What's uh What's some of your favorite places out there as far as, like, toy and art-related stuff?
3: Uh,
1: for me, it's roto Fugi.
3: That's been my favorite toy store since shortly after they opened, and they always do cool shows with toy artists and regular artists and always stock all the cool stuff. I don't know. That's the spot for me. There's not a whole lot of places out here, so...
0: I think they opened in uh, two thousand four. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. So yeah, they've been uh, holding the fort down out there for a long time.
3: I believe that's correct. That's where I bought my first case of bunnies was Rotofugi.
0: I uh, have attended a many mini, mini of art show at uh Roto-Fugi over the years, driving up you know to check out like people like Luke Chu's work in person. They they have offered a space where you can you know really see artists that you wouldn't see outside of like east coast west coast yeah they offered a home for them right there in, uh you know chicago so it's uh it's really cool to continue to support them and uh you know they've transitioned um to more of a toy store only type platform Uh, it's nice to see that they've been able to continue on yeah
1: so travis uh do you feel outnumbered by the two of them right now and they're a uh, ICP <laughs> jug, juggalo past?
0: <laughs> I personally, you know, I've, you know, I grew up in an area not too far from the home of the Juggalos and there's been a lot of Juggalos around me And a period of time when I was growing up. So I do not have beef with the Juggalos, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> But I am not. I was never indoctrinated into the uh, the group there. (laughs) Good, you don't want
2: beef
1: with them. (laughs)
0: It's never
2: too late, Travis. We're accepting of everybody.
1: I say, from what I hear, they are a gang, right? Uh, No,
2: I think they're they're
0: they're now considered like a religious
1: group. Ouch. Oh boy,
0: (laughs) that's a step up. They may have cleared the uh, the Juggalo gang thing. They had that march on Washington, right? They did. You could have went out and uh, supported the crew.
3: I've been reformed for almost two decades now, so...
0: It is kind of crazy, though, that they were labeled them as a gang or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you know, somebody that's just a fan of their music maybe has a little you know, ICP tattoo or whatever, and then they're getting processed through the gang file if they get arrested for any reason. Yeah, that's pretty messed up.
2: I remember being sent home from school for wearing an ICP shirt. It's like, are you serious? <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's really I've, not... It's not your principal's fault for having taste. I mean, that's not... You know.
3: I don't know, man. I, I have to say, I... I've made a lot of money selling off all my old ICP stuff. Really? Okay. I, I sold a vinyl record for $1,100. Whoa.
0: Maybe your, maybe your still-sealed CD is worth money.
3: I was going to say, I, I'm listening. What? Wait. It's, it's a oh, sealed I remember you guys talking about that. It, it is worth something.
1: So wait, so what was this $1,100 ICP record? Because now I'm intrigued. I bought
3: uh, a new Carnival of Carnival vinyl record and it took me two different autograph signings because shaggy or jay wasn't there for one of them whatever it was but i got it signed by both of them and i had it framed and everything so it was a signed carnival carnage record
1: see and so they actually don't go everywhere together i figured they were always together (laughs) No, apparently not. <laughs> yeah.
0: Or at least that one day they were not together. <laughs>
1: that one day.
0: So there's where you messed up, Chris. You should have got that, that CD signed.
1: I think I might have a, a new a new goal for 2021. Meet ICD? I think, I, 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 think <laughs> I might have to. Is there any uh, things coming out or releases that you guys are excited about? Uh,
2: today we just teased um, our Chris DokkaB toy, uh, Puck. So excited for that bad boy to come out um we should have it in june very
1: excited for this nice he's a chicago artist right
2: no i think he's from new york but he lives in detroit now
1: oh i thought it was chicago.
2: Or somewhere in michigan what about you guys
3: well we're releasing a shirt probably when this podcast comes out it should be out it's a throw design by taste one who goes by at taste burns on instagram and facebook and stuff uh, we had a design contest to design a th- a throw using the were the NLC letters, and he ended up winning the contest. And we're putting out the first colorway next week. That colorway is real nice. That's the the blue and white, right? Yeah, we're gonna call it icy fresh because I took that from you.
1: <laughs> do I get do I get any uh, residuals or any uh, royalty checks for it?
3: I'll send you a a schmedium shirt. <laughs>
1: No, it's, it's more like a, a schlarge now.
0: Uh, Chris, you can't get a royalty check because we haven't had enough episodes to put it in syndication.
1: There you go. <laughs> what are you talking about? We have 20. We've got we've got mm. almost half of a double baker's dozen, according, <laughs> according to
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, almost half. That's another release that I'm pretty stoked on. It's iBoy by Philip Lee. He did the classic bot and the Oh. 3 so he just did a, a Kickstarter on this, and it got funded. He's already at, like, two, I don't know, 240%, but I think it still has, like, two or three weeks left, um, and we're taking orders on our site. But all the buttons click. Um, I believe you can plug in headphones, but it doesn't, like, actually
1: work. And there's no copyright issues with this?
2: Uh, no, this is the iBoy. Wow. Just Just think how many uh, iPod ripoffs you saw, like, that were actual, you know, MP3 players. Very interesting. So, yeah.
0: That's cool. I, don't, I don't
2: think he's going to have any issue.
0: He didn't have any issue with the other ones he released, I don't think, because he released the G3, which was like the you know the clear and colored like plastic pieces, and then he did the original Apple computer, like the the iMac. Well, what was that thing called? It wasn't the iMac, the Mac 2 or whatever. Yeah. So I mean, he didn't have any issues with that apparently. So he's continuing on. <laughs>
1: you, know, you say his name is Philip Lee.
0: Yeah. I also kind of forgot that the iPod kind of looked like this. That Gen 1 iPod is like I kind of forgot about it. To be honest with you, I didn't have one. Man,
2: that was the best day ever when I got that thing. It's got your name etched in the back.
0: Yep. I had the uh, I had the Dell DJ, which was like the the Zune's like crappier cousin. Oh.
2: I I had the Zune too, and I've always liked Windows over Apple. They just I don't know they couldn't get enough ground on all their stuff.
0: Guess it all sucked.
1: The Zune was horrible. The only thing that was good about the Zune was that you were able to pull music off of it. That was the only thing that was cool about it.
2: Same thing, Windows Phone. I was like a Windows Phone fanatic for a long time. Just held on to the end.
0: That's very unfortunate for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I
2: know. I was like, Windows is not even making apps for their own phone anymore.
0: Well, guys, we've been talking for a while here, so let's go ahead and start to uh, wrap this show up. If you uh Josh, if you want to go ahead and tell the folks where they can find you on the old social media.
3: Everything is at at no love city, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or you can go to no And Chris? Uh,
0: <laughs>
1: at Chris RWK or at robotswillkill. And Corey. Hello? Did we kick Corey off the episode? Corey.
2: <laughs> oh, there he goes.
1: Where can we find
0: Cory at? After all that. There
1: he is.
2: Strange Cat Toys on all the social media and strangecattoys.com.
0: And I'm Travis Likens. You can find me at UVDtoys on all social media or uvdtoys.com. Uh, but we also want to make sure to say thank you to our sponsors. First up, Stickerfied, stickerfied.com, NoLoveCity, NoLoveCity.com, sdscreenprinting.net, and TYO Toys. This has been the Urban Robot Cat Podcast, the show about art and the people who make it.